Hello and welcome to Simple Self-Care by Naturally Randy Kay. This is a podcast dedicated to simplifying the healing journey by aligning your self-care practices with your own inner wisdom and the natural cycles outside and within. Though self-care has become quite the buzzword, it's actually a vital tool that can fit beautifully into your everyday life. Join me as we explore how to create a deep and meaningful relationship with ourself naturally, intentionally, and simply. Well, hello, my friends. How are you? Goodness, what a time we are in. And while I would have loved to bring you this podcast earlier this week, I, like the rest of you, have been adjusting to all of the ways this pandemic is influencing us. Ah, right? So as this virus is just starting to reveal itself in my area in Fargo, North Dakota, I had to make the tough call to close down my local healing studio until further notice and make sure my community there was in the know and supported. So it's been a messy week of reorganizing life, getting prepared not to leave home for a while, trying to stay informed on accurate information, and feeling all the feels that are coming with all of this. So I'm sure you've got your own version of this going on. But the good news is that we are still here. We are doing our best and we will get through this. And I'm very grateful for you and this podcast community and that I have a platform outside of my local community to be supporting and sharing all of this with. And this week on the podcast, I bring you a conversation I had with my friend and past podcast guest, Becca Shern from Minimal Wellness. We actually recorded this over a month ago, so it was before things became very intense for us here in the U.S., but it's actually a great and applicable conversation to be sharing right now. We start the chat with catching up with Becca and her pivot from being mostly a nutritionist, to moving to more of an overall health coach, and why she made that decision. And we talk about how there is no one-size-fits-all plan for health, how to listen to your own body, and how to follow what you hear, even if it surprises you. And then we go into how to take proper care of yourself in a time of crisis, or while you are serving as a caregiver. We talk about how to show up even when you aren't your best self, setting and honoring your boundaries, how to ask for help, and the importance of relying on your community. So, yes, lots to be applied right now. But since Becca has such a wealth of knowledge, I asked her to record a special bonus chat answering your questions on things directly related to staying healthy at home with our families while dealing with the COVID-19 outbreak. So after you listen to this chat, you can head over to my Patreon page to listen to that very important conversation. And usually my bonus Patreon content is just for supporters, but I wanted as many people as possible to be able to benefit from our conversation. So I posted it as a public post for you. So head to patreon.com slash simple self-care to hear us chat about how to simplify your meals and meal prep process right now how to manage added anxiety and stress, how to provide experiential and playful learning opportunities for your kids at home, how to work out from home, how to process all of this chaos together, 
and more. Again, you can head to patreon.com slash simple self-care to listen for free. You can also click on the link directly in the description of this podcast. But if you do get a lot of value from it and you want to be in on all of my past and future bonuses, please consider becoming a supporter if you are able. Because of my healing studio practice here in Fargo, I am able to do this podcast without clouding the content with sponsors. Working one-on-one with clients in person is the backbone of Naturally Randy K, and I would not be able to do anything without it. So right now, like I mentioned, that practice is on hold, and I'm not sure for how long. So like many business owners, I'm trying to pivot and adjust and figure out what to do. So if you are able and looking to support a small business and you get value out of this podcast and what I do, Becoming a Patreon supporter at the $2 or $5 level would go a long way. Or even just sharing this podcast with a friend can help spread the love. Okay? (sighs) Okay. Deep breath. Asking for help is very hard. (laughs) But we've all got to get better at it right now, right? Okay. So that's that. But let's get on with the episode, shall we? We shall. And I hope you enjoy this chat with Becca. All right. Here we go. All right. So Becca, welcome back to the podcast. You You were on, it's been like two years now, I think since you were on. Yeah, I think so. It was my first few episodes of the podcast and you had just started minimal wellness. So a lot of our Mm -hmm. conversation was talking about that transition into your own business and all of that jazz. And so a lot's happened since then. And (laughs) I would love to get a quick catch up on um, where you're at, what you're doing. Um, I mean, you're still teaching your foundational teachings, but um, you've got some new programs and things. So just for new listeners, also overview of who you are and what you're about. Yeah, thanks, Randy. I'm excited to be back. Um, So I'm Becca Shearn. I run a website and a business called Minimal Wellness. Um, I'm a registered dietitian, a master's degree in public health. Um, And my business is designed to help people find a rhythm with diet and lifestyle through simplicity. So I started it in 2006. Yeah, so it's going, it'll be four years this summer and that seems crazy. But um, yeah, it's kind of morphed over time to be less uh, diet centric. So I'm moving away from kind of my core um, foundational education and I'm moving more into lifestyle and well-being and mental health and parenting. Um, I have a daughter that's six at the moment. She'll be seven at the end of May. Um, and so it's, it's kind of evolved into a more uh, lifestyle type business as opposed to just nutrition. But um, I run various web-based programs. I'm currently running a program that's called Healthy and Whole. Um, a nine-week web-based program. Um, And then I do one-on-one coaching for diet and lifestyle stuff. 
So what made you make the transition into focusing more on the lifestyle and less about the dietetics? So I realized that over the course of, you know, the decade plus that I've been practicing, it's almost a decade and a half at this point, um, that so much of diet stuff is actually lifestyle stuff. (laughs) Um, That just telling people what to eat or helping them realize, you know, realize the foods that make them feel best, you know, if, if we're going on a very individualized direction, um, was just such a small portion of their overall well-being. And as a person, so I have a, a master's degree in public health and I've always been much more interested in the big picture of what makes a person and a community and a population healthy. And while nutrition is definitely important, it's really only part of the puzzle. And I feel like for a lot of the people that I was working with, um, these other lifestyle components were equally as important, if not more important, depending on where they were in their life cycle and what was going on in their in their worlds. And it just became more interesting to me to, at the very least, include conversations about sleep and exercise and, you know, getting alone time or space to, you know, have your own thoughts or whatever. Um, And I've also realized that diet is super individual. Um, part of this realization actually has come in the last year and a half or so as my husband has gone through some really crazy health stuff. Um, but the, the nutshell version is that what works for me, uh, diet wise will not necessarily work for you, Randy, or will not necessarily work for, you know, my daughter or my husband or any of the clients that I work with. So it's, it's really individual. And while I can suggest directions for people to go, um, when I'm working on them, working with them one-on-one, um, and help them go in that direction, um, I feel less and less okay with suggesting a broad diet for everyone to do, or like broad dietary suggestions. Um, I really don't like saying, you know, these are the top five most healthy foods. It's like, it's, it's all (laughs) right. It's all individual. It's all individual. And so, um, because I'm really allergic to anything that seems markety or gimmicky or, you know, at all clickbaity, Mm -hmm. (laughs) most of the stuff that I see in the nutrition space is either really dogmatic or very clickbaity. And none of those resonate with me right now. So I've moved away from talking about nutrition um, real heavily and talking more broadly about lifestyle and helping people understand that at least when it comes to what we eat and put in our bodies, we kind of have to navigate the path of figuring out what works for us and being okay with that like gray space of not having a prescription necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, and being okay with, you know, doing Whole30 for a month 
like mm-hmm. we were talking about and just seeing how you feel and being really open to understanding that it may or may not help you right mm-hmm. like you might try the whole 30 and you might feel like crap mm-hmm. or or you might try veganism and you might feel amazing or you might feel like absolute garbage right like <laughs> it really it's really really individual and people mm-hmm. saying oh you you know this is the one way of eating it's not <laughs> it's really not yes 100% i feel that i felt that in my own body you know and you yeah. well when i worked with you for a little while on some stuff. And I remember, um, you were guiding me and meeting me with where I was at and being respectful of me being a vegetarian and all this stuff. And then I remember coming to you and being like, so is it possible to eat meat therapeutically? And you're like, yes, let's talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because like, um, because that was the, when I really listened to what my body needed at that time, I was getting the messaging more and more from myself that I should have some animal protein and, and nutrients. And I was like, so like, not, I was like fighting with myself almost because I'm like, no, I don't believe in that. There's a reason why I've been a vegetarian for so long and da da da. And it's through the the self-care and the lifestyle practices that you and I both practice and teach like that I was able to like start to honor that and then so then I'm like well I'll just ask if that's like a thing <laughs> you know and see what you got and you were very supportive and you're like yeah let's just experiment with that and then you were able to list all of the reasons why that could be a positive thing and so then I was able to create ethics around the kind of meat that I consumed and the portions of meat that I consume and still consume because it turns out that is what my body needed and I've had to go through a journey with that but it is less about the identity of what we think we need or what we see someone else needing and really being able to tune into what we truly need which can be really humbling and surprising sometimes Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's really hard to, to tune out all of the messaging that we get from other people about and society at large about what is quote unquote healthy and what's not. And, you know, I, I don't eat a whole lot of meat, but I eat way more meat than I did a couple years ago. Um, And part of that is just what you expressed that, you know, I've been a vegetarian for a very long time. I added fish back in sometime around 2005, 2006, when I moved up to Alaska. Um, And then just kind of kept small amounts of fish in my diet for several years after that, until I was working, um, with a, a food service department and we did a farm tour a, at a goat farm, like a goat's milk farm and here in Montana. And um, they had made a, a goat cheese and elk lasagna mm-hmm. for us to try. Like here's, they're basically trying to say like, here's a way that, you know, in the food service, you can serve this product. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Um, in the food service, we probably wouldn't have used elk. We probably would have used ground beef. But point being is like, here, here's how uh, our goat cheese tastes in a lasagna. And I literally took one bite of it. I, de I decided to have some. That was like the first meat I'd had in years. And my body was just like, you need this. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was crazy. And like, um, to this day, elk is one of my favorite meats. Like if I'm going to eat meat, I vastly prefer to eat elk. And luckily, you know, in Montana, there's, you know, people around that hunt <laughs> and uh, also the local health food store stocks um, a ground elk. So I can buy it, which is incredible. But yes, point being is, is that we need to listen to our bodies and to honor what our bodies are telling us. Um, but it's oftentimes really hard to get to the place of allowing yourself the, the wisdom, like acknowledging that your body has that wisdom and mm -hmm. saying like, no, we can listen to this and um, tap into this and find the way to make it work for ourselves. So doing the ethically sort, what, whatever it looks like for you, whatever the ethical framework around it is for you, um, putting that in place to, to help you feel better about it all. Um, and also generally to find the most nourishing options. Mm -hmm. um, usually when we're intentional about where we're sourcing products, usually that means that the, the quality of those products is going to be higher as a consequence. So yeah, it's really important to be able to give yourself that ability to pivot when you need to, to recognize mm -hmm. that like, gosh, what I'm doing is not, not working. And that's okay, right? Like you were up until this point or whatever point it is, like you're doing the best you could, right? You were, you were eating in a way that felt reasonably good to you within, you know, health considerations and also life considerations and social considerations. It's like, this is the the place where we ended up and that's okay um but like acknowledging that it might not be working so well and being willing to to take a a gentle but critical look at it and figuring out where you can make some pivots yeah I've really been thinking a lot about the idea of nourishing and what that means because well right now I'm I live in Fargo North Dakota and it's February <laughs> and there's not a lot of I don't know if nourishing would be the word you would use for the season here um, and so there has to be a lot of intentional nourishment from the lifestyle standpoint to kind of make up for it or balance it out and so I've been thinking a lot about that when it comes to food um, what I put on my body like the things that are in my life, like, what does that, what does it really mean to nourish yourself? And instead of being like, um, like really strict about everything, <laughs> like a game plan, it's more of like, well, cause as I, I'm experimenting with a diet right now and that experiment is ending this week. And so I've been contemplating like, okay, based on what I learned, what do I move forward with? And that's the word that comes to me is like, what have I learned that helps me feel the most nourished? What foods deplete me? What foods 
make me feel full. And even with like caffeine, I haven't had coffee for a month, but I've had a little bit of green tea and even the green tea depletes me in the day. And I'm like, ah, that sucks. Like (laughs) I was really hoping I could have some green tea, but now I'm like, I can't like, when you truly start to listen and act on what you listen, it's surprising, but it is also like this weird new world you're living in because you don't have a tolerance for these things that were actually really depleting you, you know, it's weird. It, oh my God. I so identify with everything you just said. Um, first of all, February in the Northern climate, I'm in Missoula, Montana right now. And yes, it is not the time when you're going to find a whole lot of like seemingly nourishing foods in the supermarket. Well, you would actually find them in the yeah. supermarket, but they don't seem as nourishing, right? They're not because so like, they're not from around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, you know, that's when from a seasonal perspective, we end up turning to um, like traditional type foods. So lots of like bone broths and mm-hmm. soups and um, and root vegetables that can be stored all winter. And it gets really like earthy mm-hmm. and I'm the first to say that I will still make a smoothie often in the morning. So I'm not like saying I know. this is the only way that, you know, you can, you can be nourished in the, uh, I can't even say tail end of winter. It's not the tail end of winter. <laughs> not up here. <laughs> uh, in the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. Um, but like thinking about that, you know, the, the seasonality and what traditional types of foods were um at in your area um is a good way of thinking about what might be the most nourishing foods but yes to your point about um listening to to what serves you whether that's caffeine and i've gone through the exact same thing with caffeine <laughs> <laughs> like oh man i yeah, I I still mourn the loss of my cup of coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. I, I do decaf um, some mornings, although I've switched mostly to like an herbal, like a kind of energizing herbal tea. I can't mm-hmm. even do green tea um, yeah. because it's too much. And yes, when you when you shift your intention around caring for your body caring for your soul um from just a purely like physical mindset to more of a a mental and spiritual mindset um the things you 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 find that a lot of the things you used to tolerate were just that like you were tolerating them you're suffering through them you were um you were doing you were making choices despite of how they made you feel or you were just numbing out to how they made you feel and I think personally that's where I was for so long is like I just didn't realize Mm -hmm. how things made me feel I didn't realize that I mean I knew I was caffeine sensitive but like I was like okay so I just won't drink a cup of coffee past noon like exactly yeah you know (laughs) that's how I was yeah 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 I mean that's the that's the recommendation right like Mm -hmm. every time I tell someone I'm caffeine sensitive they're like oh cool so you just stop around noon I'm like no (laughs) (laughs) I can't I can't I can't do it 
Um, I mean, I can, but I feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I'm not willing to do that anymore. Or if I do decide to do it, I'm very aware of like the likely consequences of that decision. Mm-hmm. And it's actually easier to to navigate the downstream effects of like having a tiny bit of caffeine one day. Mm-hmm. Um, if like I had a terrible night of sleep or really weird, you know, really weird night for whatever reason, like, and I need a little bit of pick me up. It's like, okay, like, you know, you can recalibrate and make room for that choice. Um, and it's, I've gone back and forth with how I feel about that. Um, and this might resonate with you. Like there's a certain amount of mourning (laughs) that goes along with making these different changes whatever they are to your diet and lifestyle um that you kind of need to work through like you need to honor the fact that like it's it is hard to not be able to go out and have a cup of coffee with friends (laughs) or or if you do it's decaf like yeah there, there is a it sounds kind of silly like when I say that like because I'm a pretty logical person like when I say that I almost like mock myself for saying it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like fuck like buck up kid like yeah it's not that big of a deal um but it is I know it is there's or, like or a at least it can, or at least it can be right and I think that you need to leave the space open for like acknowledging that something is, is harder emotionally than you might intellectually want to acknowledge that it is. Yeah. I think that's the, there's like, um, it's comforting, you know, like there's something comforting about a cup of coffee. There's something comforting about a bowl of pasta at the end of a long day, like that, that I would use as more than just what it is. And I think exactly. that's the the morning is like the meaning we put on things. And it's just like, how can we transfer that into something else and be like, okay, if we are going out to a coffee shop with friends, let's turn it more on the friends and less on the coffee, you know, like it allows it to be what it actually needs to be. Amen. Amen. Yes. It's the morning like is is the thing but it's also what you were using the thing for mm-hmm. right and what we have to do when we start moving away from the things that aren't serving us is honor the feelings that it was helping us cope with right or the the emotions that it was helping us cope with um and one of the ways to do that is to lean more heavily into the other more like appropriate ways of of feeling soothed and obviously you know meeting up with friends is a perfect way of doing mm-hmm. that um and that you don't then saying like okay like I'm meeting up with my friends this is the the exciting the soothing the energizing thing or as introverted me would say it's like <laughs> this is a really good thing <laughs> I need I need to connect with other humans yeah. um yeah, yeah. Or in the evening, right? Like with the bowl of pasta, it's, you know, it's figuring out like, how do you honor 
whatever feelings you were soothing with the pasta you know like what is it that needs soothing is mm-hmm. it like that you're just really wound up from your day you know and maybe some quiet music or like I recently bought a, a piano a keyboard piano is it playing some music yourself you know or is it doing some artwork is it you know finding these other ways lighting a few candles oh my god I recently discovered or this winter I discovered like wooden wick candles like Mm. candles that have wood wicks in them yeah (laughs) not that not the actual like there's a brand called wood wick um yeah I know that's not what I discovered but like the candle that has a wooden wick a candle that has a wood wick in it right and they you know this they they make this crackling sound Mm -hmm. and they the flame dances in a way that's very um bonfire-esque or wood fireplace or wood stove-esque and it just was this instantaneous thing for me that was like this is what's missing in my life (laughs) (laughs) and I I I say that jokingly but also like I grew up in a you know in north in Minnesota and we had several fireplaces and one wood burning stove in our kitchen and the wood burning stove was my favorite thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially in the winter but like I've always been infatuated with flames and fire and indoor outdoor whatever like fire is just fascinating to me and it's super super soothing and since leaving my parents home like I haven't lived in a place that's had a fireplace and god just having that tiny noise in the in the (laughs) house you know especially in the winter and seeing the little flame Mm -hmm. it's my bowl of pasta yeah (laughs) I love it it. really it really is or it's my it's my glass of wine like yeah it really is Mm-hmm. and so I think finding what will soothe you instead of the thing that's no longer serving you is is such an important part of that journey yeah one thing you mentioned to me when we were working together was to start noticing what my thoughts are while I'm partaking in certain things and I noticed with my pasta <laughs> oh, I love pasta so much um, but while but while I was overeating it and not feeling well it was my chatter around it was about control you know Mm. and it was just like this is something I can control right now and this is something that I really enjoy that I am controlling and I'm gonna do it because I nobody else can tell me not to like (laughs) I was just like oh my gosh Randy like take a chill pill but it was interesting learning and so I think like a good thing to do while if you're trying to figure out um what your alternative would be like listen to what your mind is doing while you're partaking in your current activities yeah really revealing yes absolutely so what did you do you have a substitute for your pasta no (laughs) or the control the control (laughs) what I'm doing right now is 
instead of just being like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. I, you know, I just want to, pasta is easy and it feels good and I'm going to do it. I've been like, I am going to turn my making dinner into a self-care activity. And so it becomes less about what I'm consuming and more about creating something nourishing. And so I've been making new recipes and very simple things. Um, but I will turn on music instead of a podcast or news. And I will, sometimes I'll light a candle and I'll just like have fun and take my time and then eat my meal joyfully and not feel like I have to stuff my face with carbs. Like it's, so I don't know. It's just, it's just shifting the energy of what's going on. And less of like, okay, well, how else can I feel control? It's more like, you know what? I don't need to feel that kind of desperate control. I can just do something nourishing for myself and like connect with my food. And so that's been, I guess that's the new pasta is, um, is that, but I'm excited to also be able to just enjoy pasta like a normal person sometimes. You know, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be this coping mechanism. It can just be like, I'm gonna enjoy this pasta in the por- portion that makes me feel good, and that's it. You know, so mm-hmm. it's I don't know. Humans, we're so weird. We are weird. <laughs> we're totally weird. Uh, well, speaking of being not being weird, but of <laughs> um, <laughs> of nourishing ourselves, and like. I don't know about you, but I am curious to see if you are in the wellness, the health and wellness world, and yet have gone through these periods of time of disconnect. How do you balance the um, being a caretaker and being a healing professional and still taking care of yourself because sometimes we can get all consumed with the people that we're helping and I know many people listening to this um, feel that way including myself Um, so what are your insights on how you have learned how to navigate making sure that your cup is full while you have these big demands of caring for others yeah so for me it's been a bit so I mentioned my husband was went through some health stuff over the last year and a half um but to be completely honest like we're we've been together for four and a half years and he's probably only been real healthy for six months of those four and a half years like he's yeah he's had a hard time of it and um so in one way or another uh although he's extremely independent um and more than capable of (laughs) taking care of himself um I love him right and would do anything for him and want to do everything for him because um a that's who I am as a as a person like I'm I want to help people feel better um and b he's just my person so like (laughs) it's it's both right Mm -hmm. um and then you know I'm a mom to a six and a half year old daughter and so, yeah, I've, I've spent an awful lot of time, especially leaving my, my previous job being, being a caretaker. And um, the one thing that I've kind of, especially in the last year and a half, come to realize is that 
my cup doesn't have to be full. Mm. <laughs> it just needs to be in a good place, right? And like, I think, especially as people in the health and wellness space, um, and if you have any sort of perfectionist tendencies like I do, um, you can get kind of obsessed with having your cup all the way full, <laughs> right? Or like maybe a, a different way of thinking about it is thinking about all the ways in which your cup is not full, right? Or, or all the ways in which your cup gets depleted and is depleted. Um, and so for me, what's been helpful is thinking about not so much where my cup is in terms of fullness, but like, am I doing the things that I really need to do to feel pretty good and to show up for the people who need me? Um, and for me, that comes down to how's my sleep? That is like, that's the foundational thing for me. And I know for some people, sleep comes a lot easier than it does for me. But sleep, if I'm not sleeping well, I become a shell of myself real fast. <laughs> you know, and so I, I, I'm really protective of my sleep. You know, so I don't, as much as I can, I don't stay up late. I don't um, do screen time in the evening. I don't do stimulating things in the evening as much as I possibly can. You know, I break my own rules sometimes, but by and large, um, I'm really protective of, you know, a good eight, nine hour window where I can sleep. Um, and then nourishment, like we've been talking about, right? Being good enough to my body with what I put in it. Um, to to have a solid state of energy throughout the day um and to generally not have ebbs and flows you know i'm not craving foods i'm not um you know struggling to figure out what i'm going to eat i have like this very small core group of things that i typically go to and i just kind of repeat those most mm -hmm. of the time you know, and then movement. Movement is a big part of my life. And generally speaking, I think because I come from the nutrition world, the nutrition part is pretty easy for me. Like I, I just kind of do feel like I do that part more naturally than maybe the sleep part or the movement part or another piece that I will get to in a minute <laughs> is like meditation and like quiet time. Um, but yeah, so the movement piece, while I really enjoy it, um, when your cup gets a little depleted or a lot depleted, it is one of the areas where it's like, wow, this is really hard. <laughs> you know, like it's hard to a make the time to, to move. Um, a lot of times you can feel just so worn out that the movement, like getting off the couch, getting into the the mode of moving your body can be really challenging. Um, so I try, I try my best to like not go more than a day or two without moving my body in some purposeful way, whether that's a walk or a hike, or I do a lot of weight training, um, just something, right? And I'm not rigid about it 
<laughs> like I let it be pretty fluid because I think one of the things with caretaking is you do have to be fluid. It's really hard to care for someone else on a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, yeah, it, it becomes their schedule a lot of times or, or what, not necessarily their schedule, but what, what their needs are dictating, you know, as opposed to yours. Um, and so my, the one thing that I'm super, super protective of is my sleep. And the rest of my day, I try to be really fluid with <clears throat> how I meet the rest of my needs. And luckily, you know, I have a, a business that is very flexible. Um, but I can think back to when, you know, I worked a, an eight to five, an eight to six. Um, and even within that time, like I would carve out you know, time for meals, obviously, and then time for movement during my lunch break, I often would take walks or go on hikes or go to the gym, like during those times when I knew I had more control over my schedule. Um, and then outside of that work time is time that often was dictated by the needs of the people that I was caretaking for, or, you know, in life with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so I think, I think the key pieces for me have been like realizing that my cup does not need to be full mm. to, to function. Right. And being okay with that. Like that sounds, you know, kind of self-centered when you say it like that, but it, that's kind of how it felt, you know, like obsessing about not eating perfectly or obsessing about not exercising as much as I feel like I should or whatever it's like finding the good enough point mm -hmm. right um to to be the the person that you need to be for the other people and for yourself obviously but as a caretaker it's like you do have this distinct role um yeah and then protecting the the time that is absolutely essential for you and some people that's movement um but i think most people it's sleep and if you can be really protective about your sleep then the rest of the stuff can fall into place easier. So two questions. One, and maybe you just answered it with the sleep thing, but if there's somebody out there who has is reaching their breaking point, like they are maxed out with being a caretaker for whatever reason, and they are feeling like they need to start shifting how they do that, what would be the starting point? And then the other thing would be, um, how do you know what your full enough is? Yeah. So the breaking point piece, that's really hard. So like, and I think this is where life in general, like it's one of those places where life just puts you through the ringer right like I think that the caretakers people in a caretaking role get the brunt of the hard shit in life like and for me that point came and I'm sure it will come again but like 
when my daughter was an infant, like she was a really, really hard infant. Um, and my marriage at the time was not a good match. Like I was just very poorly matched with my ex-husband and, um, you know, I was working full time. I was finishing my master's degree and like, I was literally at the verge of a <laughs> breakdown for a year, a year and a half, you know, uh, my husband, ex-husband and I separated when Ella, my daughter was one and a half. And it was like, <laughs> her in, like, having a baby period especially if it's your first um and especially if you don't have a good network of people for support um it's always going to be challenging right but like I, I just had such a hard time with postpartum stuff I didn't have postpartum depression um thankfully but like it was brutal it was so brutal, you know? Um, and so the, the immediate postpartum stuff carried into realizing that my marriage wasn't going to work, you know? So when, when it felt like, just when it felt like the stuff with being a brand new mom was like easing a tiny bit, it was like, oh, I'm, this is not going to work, you know? And Anyhow, this is my very long-winded way of saying, like, <clears throat> you might find that you have several years at a time in life where it's like, this is, it's too much, right? And in those moments, we have to ask for help. You know, we have to be strong enough to ask for help. I was not strong enough to ask for help. Like, I was really really obsessed maybe is the best word of putting it with doing it myself like being capable of of being the full-time working mom and make like the power mom right <laughs> uh but we didn't have any friends who had kids we didn't have any family in the even remote area like we didn't have any support especially I didn't have any support because turned out that parenting largely fell on, on my shoulders. And so I think we have to acknowledge that there are times when we'll just feel like we're in the thick of it for a long chunk of time um, and do what we can to do to get through it. But also like when you're feeling like you are reaching the end of your rope, like figure out what needs to get put down, right? And like, something can always get put down. And to be honest, it sounds very cruel when I put it that way, but the thing that I had to put down was my marriage. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it. I couldn't be, I, I couldn't continue my, my working career. I couldn't, and most importantly, I couldn't be a good mom to Ella with all of the stress that emotional and mental and just like day-to-day -day stress of being in a dysfunctional relationship and so 
when you're at those points, it's usually the place where the super hard decisions have to get made, you know, and maybe it looks totally different, right? Like maybe it's hiring someone else to come and take some of your load off, right? So like having a nanny, if you can financially swing that or, um, buying prepared, pre-prepared meals or um, getting someone to clean your house or if you're like looking after an aging parent, right? Like find the resources that you can tap into to alleviate some of the burden on you, right? Ask family members, ask neighbors, right? And like one of the things that has come up so much for me in the last few years is like at least in my life how disconnected from community I've been um and so one of the big things that I've been working on over the last year or so especially the last six months is like cultivating community and being able to be there for people around me when they need someone and also putting down my pride and asking for help when and if I need help Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's that piece is like recognizing where your strengths are and where your resource what resources you have at your disposal and then identifying the people in in your area um whether that's literally your neighborhood which is to be honest like the ideal (laughs) or or more broadly um you know your community at large but but getting a solid network of people together if you don't already have it um of people for whom you can do things for and whom you can also rely on to do things for you like we're not supposed to be islands of one or two or three or five or whatever yeah, I like that you said being a part of a community that you feel like you can contribute to and vice versa, because yeah, that's I think that's a struggle a lot of people have is feeling like they don't want to be needy or put anybody out. But if there's an understanding that you get to show up for them also, it becomes this like unit, you know, like, yeah. and I think that that the aspect of community has come up a lot for me. And I think even on the podcast, uh, the past few episodes talking about it, just like that is such a vital part of the healing journey and finding, finding that, that support. Like we, we literally cannot function without it. And the people that you're caretaking for, they don't want you to be doing it alone either like they and it just seems like it's easy to like want to carry this torch of like I am the caretaker and nobody like I like I don't ask anything of anyone else and it's just like nobody asked you to be like that (laughs) you know like to be that way like I know even with my husband and I like we've had conversations of like this is how I can show up for you this is how you can show up for me for this aspect, I'm going to go to this person. For this aspect, I'm going to go to this person. And it's just like, you know, just making sure like 
it's it's more of yeah a way of operating instead of um this weird like isolation obligation thing which is very draining and depleting yeah Yeah, absolutely and I think that you know over the last 30 years our society has just become more and more and more isolated right like we don't we're not nearly as good at relying on our communities to to help and also to participate like to give back to and that reciprocity I think is really important for our well-being um that we we feel safe because we have a group of people that we can rely on and we also feel a sense of purpose because we're providing something to that community as well mm-hmm. those are two super vital parts of our well-being that I think we've really ignored to our collective detriment mm-hmm. so and the thing that you said that really struck me about your conversations with your husband is that like we do have to realize that like our spouse cannot be everything mm-hmm. they're not supposed to be everything for us um and so we need to have friends and family and people that we can go to for other needs it's not fair to put it all on a spouse. Um, yeah, I think it's dangerous to put it all. It's on super a spouse. dangerous. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's or not going to work. Partner on any one person. Yeah, and yeah. it's yeah. So I would say what's helped me, and it sounds like what's helped you with when you are in like this kind of breaking point, is to identify um what would be the biggest resource of help and use that for a season so you can get to a different playing field like you can get to a different level of health and maybe they continue to be help for a a good chunk of time but I know with me like if I can get help for just a small period of time to allow me to um, care for myself and meet my basic needs. And like, I've, I was overwhelmed a few months ago with, um, my studio and my home and all these things that I was doing. And I was talking to my mom and she's like, well, do you want me to just clean for you? And I'm like, oh, yes, <laughs> like, like that exactly. life if you just, and, and it's like no big deal to her. But yeah. it was like the most amazing thing anyone could have ever offered me. And yeah. it was just like, you know, it just, um, I don't need her to do that all the time forever. But it was just something that allowed me to come home to myself so I could really get a clear idea of what needed to shift and change and how I needed to care for myself in the midst of my current situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes too, um, you know, whether you need the help or whether you're close with someone who clearly needs help, um, (laughs) like just being willing to have the conversation of like, Hey, I'm struggling. Right. Or, or reaching out to someone that you feel like is maybe struggling or clearly struggling and being like, how can I help? And if they're like, Oh, it's good. I got it. Or whatever. Like be like, if they have kids, be 
can I watch your kids? Yes. You know, for half a day or whatever. Yeah. Or, or can I come clean your house or can I make you dinner? Right. And like offering suggestions um, yeah. because at least for me, and I know for other people in my life, especially when they're in the thick of things, um, you don't even know what you need. Yeah. It's like, I need everything. Like yeah. everything is chaos. And so <laughs> yeah. like being the person to help who's like, cool, I'm going to like do this thing for you. Yes. Yeah. That's, right? that's a lot more helpful sometimes than asking them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you don't I necessarily, yeah, know what they want. And if you're in that place too, recognizing that you can just reach out to, you know, a trusted few and say, I don't even know what I need, but like, I need to talk to someone and also yeah. like, can you help me Yeah, <laughs> with something? I, we have, um, a neighborhood class, a neighborhood friend of Ella's, uh, is a class, there's a classmate that's like a half a block from where we live here. And, um, they're now in first grade. So they were in kindergarten together and now they're in first grade. And he has a, an older sister who's in third grade. And they've kind of become this little like neighborhood gang. <laughs> they kind of just like bounce back between our two houses, back and forth between our two houses on the weekends, especially like in the summer and stuff. But um, like they, the family um, took Ella sledding yesterday and then they had her over to her place to play for a couple hours yesterday afternoon. So like, she got to play with other kids, which as an only child is so important. Um, and I got a little time to myself, which was super nice. Um, but then they both had, like the parents had to work early um, today and tomorrow this week. And so they're, the kids are coming over in the morning and I'm getting them ready for, like they're dressed, but like I'm feeding them breakfast and then bringing them to school for the next two days. And like having that reciprocity with people where like you do things for them, they do things for you. Mm -hmm. It's really helpful. It is really helpful. Yeah. I think a big barrier I've had to work through is because I am the person people go to for help. Like I, it's my natural ability to be a space holder for healing and even I don't know if I like have something on my forehead but like even strangers will just like talk to me and then unload like and that's great I I can do that I know how to do that and I get joy out of doing that but I had this self-talk going on that if there were times when I wasn't that and I wasn't able to be that that people wouldn't like me anymore they wouldn't want to be around me if I needed help and I wasn't their stronghold and I've had to I only have I have a solid trusted few that I will let my guard down for but to develop those that was really challenging for me because I'm like okay friend that you know you only ask how I'm doing until after you've unloaded for an hour <laughs> I'm going to tell you that I can't do that right now, you know, or could you listen to me first? You know, and that was like 
really hard, but it was interesting how it's shifted the dynamic of our friendship because it is less draining because they understand that I'm a real person too, <laughs> that I need something also. Um, and so my more draining friendships have become less draining because I was willing to share with them how I'm doing, or I'm being like, you know what, I can't be that for you right now. And then it actually helps them get out of their own head to be like, okay, well, let me be there for you. And it like, it was really like pulling teeth. And it still is sometimes because I do get, I have pride over being that person, you know, there's ego wrapped around being that person, you know? <laughs> and so it's like, really challenging, but it's worth it in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of the, the thing that I at least struggle with is boundaries sometimes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And, um, and not being clear on boundaries with myself first mm -hmm. and then with others second. Um, and because I'm really introverted, like not quite as extreme as my husband, introverted, <laughs> like I'm pretty darn introverted and, um, I have a decent amount of like social anxiety. And so because I'm not very good with boundaries, like knowing when I'm going to be overloaded with something. I tend to just avoid everything <laughs> like <laughs> socially and, and friends wise and stuff like that. Like I'm, if someone reaches out to me for something, I'm really good. I think anyways, about like helping when I can and being that resource when I can, but like, I'm terrible about reaching out the other direction. Um, I think in part because like I'm, I do worry about the reciprocity piece, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, because I can't, it's really hard for me to be the person who people call several times a week. Like, I can't, <laughs> like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And so like, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but like, I guess just understanding your tendencies and um, recognizing the patterns that you get in and trying to like, if they're not serving you anymore, like assert a boundary here or there when you need mm -hmm. to. Yeah. And I think just allowing yourself with the boundaries, it's allowing yourself to be yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if you know that that's not something you can handle, then you like, for our friendship, for example, it's not like I'm calling you every day, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I think you and I are really good at like checking in with each other, having our, our, you know, back and forth and then finding intentional time to actually catch up properly. And yeah. we both feel like we have the time and energy to do so. And yeah. so it's like knowing that you're introverted like I really appreciate that. And I, when you do send me a message, like that always means so much to me. And like, 
I just, it just is this, like, I don't know, there's just good vibes around it because I think we have an understanding of what our lifestyles are like and that we do care about each other and we can find the time to have proper catch-ups when it's been a while, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, I think that's what makes a great community and a great friendship is when you can be very aware of everybody's boundary and, um, and being able to educate people on what yours is. And I think that's been my journey right now is allowing my friends to show up for me lately. Absolutely. I think something that's important to consider, um, that gets a lot, gets a decent amount of like airtime. So I don't want to belabor the point too much, but like there are definitely people in our lives over the course of our lives that like they're there (laughs) oftentimes they're friends of convenience right like Mm -hmm. because you work with them or you went to school with them or whatever the sort of circumstantial reason is for them being in your life but like I think we do all end up having to either kindly and gently end friendships or like let them wither if they're not serving (laughs) you know you very well anymore but I do think that like while most of our close and very good friends like we can have these conversations with about like uh titrating back and forth to make sure that the relationship is serving both people's needs um there are always going to be the friendships and relationships that just they need to end and they're Mm -hmm. not serving people anymore and so yeah. recognizing sometimes it's like, oh, this is just not going to work. Yeah. And being okay with like taking the steps that you need to take to to distance yourself from that relationship. Well, and I think like bringing, bringing together everything we've talked about, like understanding, especially when you are in a season of uh, high demand and there's not a lot of wiggle room is you really don't have time for this extra stuff. You don't have time to be putting up with relationships that are draining you. You don't have time to be, and I use don't have time figuratively more than literally, but like, but sometimes literally, um, <laughs> but like, you know, f- to be eating foods that drain you, to be participating in activities that, aren't fulfilling like that's the point that I've been getting to in the past few months is with everything I I want to do and the healer I want to show up to be cannot afford to be putting up with all this stuff like I have been and if I continue to do that I won't be the person that I am and want to be and that is just the facts like there's no emotion or judgment or anything around it like with caffeine or with food it's like I can't I just can't because if I do I'm gonna suck at everything else that I do (laughs) and I think yes and and I'm really grateful I I'm the type of person that has to get to that point to make change so I'm grateful that I finally got there um but even just you know simplifying my lifestyle in every little area um, and really standing up for these things. And um, it's just, 
it, it just has to happen if I'm going to be anything to anyone. And so that's, that's the, that's the truth. That's the real talk, (laughs) you know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's super wise. You you healer, you. (laughs) It takes a lot of banging over the head, but (laughs) (laughs) you and me both. I can it eventually. Yeah. But I think that that's like, I kind of think that's a little universal. I mean, I'm sure there are people who, for whom they can learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, I think most of us do on, on a certain level need to, to live the error first, or just find out that what works for me is not necessarily what works for you. Um, mm-hmm. And being okay with like, being different. <laughs> mm-hmm. And owning that um, difference and uniqueness um, and respecting it in others. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Becca, thank you for your time. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I call you Becca in formal settings. I am on the Bex train. I like the Bex train. Yeah. Um, when I when I introduce myself, I'm often like Rebecca, and then I'm like, but I divert to Bex, <laughs> or to Becca and Bex, real. Yeah. Fast, so. <laughs> um. So, how can people find you? Well, we talked about it in the beginning, but like, what's coming up next for you? What could people be looking out for? Mm. Do you have another um program coming up? I probably won't run the the Healthy and Whole program again until the fall. Um, I like to have my summers less burdened with work obligations so I can Mm -hmm. be there for Ella Um, and Josh because when when she's out of school we we like to bring her down to LA a lot and so there's a lot of caretaking involved in my my summers (laughs) and Uh, fun and fun having I was just gonna say adventuring But yeah, lots of fun having. So yeah, uh, Healthy and Whole probably won't run until next fall. Um, if you want to do one-on-one work, I do schedule that, you know, as people are interested. So you can head to minimalwellness.com mm-hmm. and hit up my services page. But yeah, that's... And you'll be at ahead. nine retreat this summer. <gasps> yes. Thank you for reminding me. Um, <laughs> so I make sure you show up, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah exactly no i i'm doing the the nine retreat in july mm-hmm. in oregon and i'm very very excited about that yes that'll be awesome i was a teacher there last year and it's one of the most amazing group of women ever so if you are craving community not the nine community is an awesome community to be a part of i can't agree more and i haven't even met them yeah (laughs) that's how it goes yeah that's how good it is you don't even have to meet them yet yeah Yeah. um very cool well thanks for coming back on and I will be posting all of the links to this in the show notes and um yeah thanks for having me Randy thank you so much for listening I'm your host Randy Kay a holistic health practitioner and educator that has been helping people heal through bodywork, therapeutic yoga, and self-care coaching for over a decade. 
My mission is to help people simplify the healing journey by amplifying their own inner wisdom and teaching seasonal self-care practices. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or post it on social media. And if you do that, please tag me so I can see it and connect with you that way at Naturally Randy K. You can also commune with me via email if you sign up for my weekly-ish newsletter, The Simple Letters. You can sign up at naturallyrandyk.com slash newsletter. That's naturally, R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y dot com slash newsletter. And hearing from you in some way totally makes my life and I always make sure to personally respond. And be sure to join me next time as the self-care conversation continues. Until we meet again, take good care and enjoy the journey.